The following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. Boys from Sandy Fort, Delaware, baby. Perched on the top rope podcast. You better listen to it, or I'm gonna be on the perched on the top rope, and I'm gonna drop this froggy bow on your head. Welcome everyone to the number two podcast in America, ladies and gentlemen, on Chartable's Top 250. I am your host, former dirt sheet writer from Ringside News, Sports Kita, Daily DDT, ladies and gentlemen. I am Lee Walker, and I am joined by co-host. Alex Todd, who you know as the adorable one. So, ladies and gentlemen, before we begin, I brought up Chartable. Perched on the top rope is currently second in America in wrestling, 83 in America in the sports category. But not only that, we are 149 in Australia, 64 in Saudi Arabia, 72 in South Africa, 69 in the Philippines, giggity. Number six in Algeria in the sports category, and number two in Algeria in wrestling. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for getting us to where we are today. It's been a very long five years, but a very rewarding five years. Alex, are you ready to do this show? I'm ready to do this, but before we go ahead with that, we're gonna do. I'm, I'm gonna do a little, you know, like two minute interview on you because I just want to get your thoughts, man. How how does it feel? Aside from the sports category, how does it feel being the number two wrestling podcast in America? Like, let's get your raw emotions, your raw thoughts on it. So, I was extremely hyped when I saw that I had charted 19 in America the other day, breaking the top 20, because I'd never done that before. Right. I, I'd ranked uh, highest 70 in America. You know, other countries like Indonesia, I have been number one in. Uh, but other countries like Ireland, Germany, Great Britain, Canada, uh, I've been in those chartables also, uh, along with the sides from the ones I had just listed. But it's extremely hard to get here because I there's so many messages I send out, so much social media work that goes into it. Uh, so when I actually saw that I ranked 19th, I was like, this is as good as it gets. Like... Drink it up, dude, because this is as high as you're going to go. And you got to think, like, there's podcasts out there. You're competing with celebrities. Basically, yeah. You know, you look at the top five, it's Jim Cornette, myself, Jim Cornette again, Eric Bischoff, and Bruce Pritchard. Right. The top 50 is literally all WWE Hall of Famers, current wrestlers, current WWE podcasts. And the fact that fans out here want to listen to me, I'm very humbled and grateful for that. Yeah, it's it's wild that you're literally in the company of men who have ran promotions. Eric Bischoff ran WCW. Pritchard, Cornette have both had their spots in TNA, WWE, etc. That's yeah. that's just wild, man. And I'm I'm very happy for you. Um, I know it, it was a lot of. A lot of hard work from, you know, our, our friends that have helped share the show over the years, too. Some of the people we've been on the show with, you know, thank you to everybody. But just most importantly, thank you to you and all the hard work you've put in. Yeah, thank you. So then, like, um, 
I saw that I had dropped in America, and then I saw it went back up, and I went up to, like, a higher spot. And then I saw I was, like, sixth or seventh, and I was like, what is going on? Holy crap. Like, freak, literally just freaking out. <laughs> yep, like so a then, school girl. The so, group chat blew up, ladies and gentlemen. So then after that, I... Before I went to bed, I had done uh, episode 170, fans. Uh, November 13th, 2005, Eddie Guerrero had passed away. So I did a tribute show that day uh, to Eddie. So if you're an Eddie Guerrero fan, you can go back and listen to episode 170, Apple Podcast, Perched on the Top Rope. Um, I had just gotten done with the episode, loaded it up. And right before I went to bed, I refreshed on Chartable and saw that I was number two in America. I instantly, like, freaked out and just started calling people. I called you, I called my girlfriend, uh, posted on social media. So, I, I, it's something I, I never expected. It was, it's always been a dream come true to be number one in America. So, fans, listen to this episode, listen to other episodes. Tell help, your friends. Tell your friends. Help me reach my goal in becoming the number one podcast for professional wrestling in America. Please. We bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Otherwise, um, it's been a really cool feeling. Uh, I'm in awe. Like I've had a lot of people, like Dave Lagreca from Busted Open, congratulate me on Facebook. I've had others like Mark Madison, uh, Brian Clark, you know, guys like that. You know, who are in the industry. Aaron Rift, who. Uh, created wwfwcw.com 25 years ago which is now nodq.com you know guys like that you know really you know a lot of people from the dirt sheets and stuff congratulating me and everything and you know those are like old colleagues to me you know what i mean because i'm a former dirt sheet writer so right uh it's just been a really cool experience and just really really cool to see um so unless you have any other questions al we have some aew full gear predictions and some other things to talk about Hell yeah, let's do it. All right, so, ladies and gentlemen, AEW Full Gear is this Saturday, November 18th. You can catch it live on Fight TV. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, isn't AEW Collision on Saturday at 8 o'clock? You're right, fans, it is. But it has a special time this week and day, Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, going head-to-head with WWE SmackDown. I had a feeling this was going to happen eventually because... WWE and AEW kind of had this history over the past couple of years of occasionally switching up the days they do their pay-per-views on. Um, you know, sometimes WWE mostly shockingly sticks to Saturdays now as opposed to the traditional Sunday in the past. But AEW has kind of gone back and forth. Sometimes they do their show on a Sunday. Sometimes they do it on a Saturday. And after Collision started, I was like, mm, they're going to run into an issue at some point. There's going to be a scheduling issue with whatever WWE might have going on or with their own show. So it, it's, it's cool that they you know, didn't struggle to figure out what they were going to do here. <laughs> yeah. So Friday, they'll go head-to-head with SmackDown. But there's going to be a lot of wrestling because after SmackDown, you still have... AEW Rampage at 10 o'clock following. So Friday, you're going to get a lot of wrestling folks before AEW Full Gear. So uh, be ready for that. Be ready for a good Friday night. Now, as far as AEW Full Gear, there are 
nine matches total, one being on the pre-show. And the pre-show is MJF and a tag team partner to be announced, taking on Colton and Austin Gunn, the Guns, for the AE, or wow, not AEW, wow. I'm sorry, I'm used to saying that because he is the AEW champion. Yeah. It's for the ROH World Tag Team Championships. Now, Al, I'm going to break down basically what had happened. Okay. Um, on September 27th, the episode of Dynamite, Jay White had interrupted MJF. White had claimed that he was ultimately responsible for MJF and Adam Cole's friendship and subsequently teaming, you know, better than you, Bebe. Uh, as Cole had gotten injured in their match at the 2022 Forbidden Cole, Cole bleh, Forbidden Door, Cole becoming involved with MJF after returning the following year, White then claimed that he would take the AEW championship from MJF the following week on Dynamite. White, along with his Bullet Club Gold stablemates, Juice Robinson and the Guns, attacked MJF. And did exactly what he said he was going to. He stole the AEW championship. But then he also challenged him, MJF, at, for the title at Full Gear. Now, MJF accepted. Of course, he's hot because his title's been stolen from him. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the episode, uh, October 24th, the gun stated that they wanted a match against MJF for the ROH Tag Team Championships. They wanted it at full gear, of course, and MJF accepted. Now, October 30th, it was announced that it's going to be MJF and a mystery partner to defend those titles at full gear zero hour on the pre-show, since MJF's championship partner suffered a broken foot in late September. We haven't seen Adam Cole, so... We are going to get MJF and a mystery partner, and we watched him struggle to find not just one tag team partner recently, but three for an eight-man tag match, uh, which he, you know, ended up choosing the acclaimed for that, and not much of a choice. Everyone else, you know, subsequently didn't want a team with him. But nonetheless, he was able to find those three, even though they had been chasing him down the whole night that night on AEW Dynamite. Yeah, and even before this storyline made it to TV, Max Caster has been being like a weird stalker girlfriend to MJF on social media for years now, so I love that that angle finally made it onto TV. Yeah, and the fact that uh, they have history together from yep. uh, Creative Pro. Yep, they came is, up together. Yeah, which is... Uh, really really cool now i gotta ask al who do you think is going to be mjf's mystery partner for this match okay so in my opinion it is going to be one of three people it is going to be either no one of four people it's going to be either a returning adam cole because there's been a lot of speculation that this foot injury has been worked into the storyline and that the x-ray that was put on social media could have easily just been not his foot and it could have been photoshopped. Um, but we'll get into that a little later on. That's the least likely for me. Um, other possibility, Max Caster steps in, even though he's already part of the trio's champions. 
it's just been his thing where he's been trying to defend MJF lately. So I could see that too. Um, two names, though, for my remaining two guesses that have actually been pretty hot on the internet to be possible uh, tag team partners for MJF lately are none other than the man you formerly interviewed, uh, Richard Holiday, is one guest that's been all over the internet, which I feel like his gimmick with MJFs would pair up very nicely. The other big rumor is that it could be former MLW champion Alexander Hammerstone. So I'm leaning more towards one of the two of them. Um, preferably, I think just with the type of character, I'm going to go out uh, with the Dark Horse. I'm going to say it's Richard Holiday. I find that interesting. Has Alexander Hamels, Hammerstone been released from MLW yet? From... I'll, I'll have to double check on that. I'll fact check that real quick. Because but... his contract, last I knew, was up on 2025. Now, Richard Holiday would also be a surprise to me, especially after the fact that he is no longer dating Alicia Atute and MJF is dating his right. now ex-girlfriend. So I'd be curious to see if that played any sort of rift in the friendship or anything like that. And Tony Khan, I, I, I think this would, you know, it, it is full gear, but it's also the pre-show. So I don't fully expect it to be like a big name. I would, I would be more than likely to believe it could be Adam Cole. If it's a, not a real foot injury. Um, Honestly, I really would not know who it would be besides a returning Adam Cole uh, to shock the world. So the reason I had him so low on my list, though, is because I feel like they're not going to want to save his return for a pre-show. Yeah. Um, well, it would make sense storyline-wise. Um, I did just fact-check, by the way. Alex Hammerstone, I believe, is still under contract, but it also isn't unlike AEW, to work stuff out with other companies. Um, I had only brought that up because that was, a, that was those two names were circling the internet a lot the past couple days. Yeah, I remember Hammerstone, though, because I, I remember specifically um, MLW did allow the release of Lance Anawahi and his tag team partner, uh, but they didn't, they, it wasn't, said by MLW, but it was basically known that they were not going to grant him uh, his release. Now, I would still have hopes for Holiday, but I don't know if there's any sort of personal issue there with uh, MJF and Alicia, you know? Yeah. I think that'd be a great pairing of characters, though, for sure. Well, I mean, they, they were together with, literally, Hammerstone in MLW. Mm -hmm. uh, MJF... Holiday and Hammerstone as as a group. Right. Um, the other dark horse we're not thinking of too is the possibility of it being Samoa Joe because they've had that whole thing on TV where Joe's been like, "I'll protect you. I'll be your partner, but I want a world title match. But also, if you don't pick me, I'm still coming after you for a world title match. So yeah. maybe MJF is desperate enough to where he does pick Joe and does give him that world title match, knowing that it's incoming no matter what. And Samoa Joe did drop the ROH uh, television title, uh -huh. basically stating he's gunning for the world championship. So Maybe it's better to have that man for a tag team partner to hold on to at least one title if you know he's going to come after the other one. Yeah. 
I mean, after all, there is that old saying, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right. So, you know, he could be going, you know, team of Samoa Joe. I, I could see that too. So there is quite a few possibilities here. Um, however, as far as the match goes, I, I don't think MJF loses whoever he's teaming with. The man is way too hot right now as far as this goes. I think the only way he loses if he is if he doesn't end up having a partner at all and has to go one-on-two. But then if he does lose, I feel like that almost solidifies what happens in the main event. Yeah. Not that that's my prediction or anything. That's just kind of like my thought process if that's what they went with. Like, if you're losing one title, you're most likely not losing the other one. Yeah. But that's just like a if-they-don't-come-up-with-a-tag-team-partner type situation. Yeah, and I mean, he's done this before where he's defended both and won both, so... Uh, Our next match is the AEW Women's Championship. Hikiru Shida, the champion, taking on timeless Tony Storm with Luther. Now, this change in character with Tony Storm was quite a shocker to me. I always loved uh, her look, the way she came out with the glasses, the hat punk rocker look yeah yeah but we see enough of that already in AEW and like every other company because it's very hard i think for women to have gimmicks work so you see a lot of the prissy type bitchy type uh punk rock type and then there's People like Van Alla and WWE, who was just Viking. Yeah. Like Max the Impaler in NWA. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, this has been interesting with Tony Storm for me. I've actually really enjoyed the weekly silent films. Uh, her whole... She's given herself like this, like... It, while it's silent in black and white films, she's given herself this whole... Um, Marilyn Monroe-esque type makeover. with, mm-hmm. And it's different and it's working for me because, like we we just said, everyone kind of has like the same thing going on in, in the women's division. Even though the women's division uh, was lacking a bit in AEW, it's been picked up a little bit. Uh, as far as who the champion is, though, Hikiru Shida... I'm not quite sure she's really a drawing power for the company. Uh, however, Alex, she has and is the first third-time women's champion in the company's history. Well, I know it's only a four-year-old company. She still has that... She can still say she made history there. Yeah, and the, and the big thing about this match, too, is that coming out of this, if Tony Storm does manage to pick up the victory and does manage to become the AEW Women's World Champion, she will tie Hikaru Shida for that right to being a three-time Women's World Champion because uh, if you remember a couple years back, she was interim Women's World Champion. Um, After Thunder Rosa was not able to make a return, they made an official statement that they counted her interim championship reign as an official AEW Women's World Championship reign. So if she wins this match, she ties Hikaru Shida for the record. So, there's some big stakes in this match. Yeah, absolutely. And who do you think wins? Mm, Who do I think versus who do I want? I'm going to go with who do I want. I love 
the Timeless Tony Stone character right now. Um, it kind of gives me the same vibes that Matt Hardy went through when he was doing the broken Matt Hardy thing. Like, it started as, like, a mental breakdown and then led to this thing that's, like, picking up a lot of steam. And any reason to get RJ City on AWTV, I will always love because I, I used to watch him wrestle. So seeing him on AWTV with her is pretty cool, too. I'm going to go with my girl. Timeless Tony Storm becomes the second time, three-time AEW Women's World Champion. All right, so you're claiming we're going to have a second, third-time champion. Second, third. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to stay with Anne Still. Okay. I'm going to say Akira Shida. Um, there's not much personally for me here, uh, but I, I just, I think there's something in line why Akira Shida's the champion right now, and I think right now is not the time for her to drop the belt. Going against your girl, Tony Storm. Going I against, never thought I'd hear that. I know. I know. I'm disappointed. I'd rather you be disappointed than mad, I guess. Mm. I don't know. No, I thought that was worse. I yeah. thought people hate when you're disappointed. Well, well, whatever. I'm fine with it, I guess. Okay. You can be disappointed, just don't be mad at me. How's that? Okay. <laughs> just can't be both. One or the other. Yeah, it's got to be one or the other. Uh, the next match is the six-man tag match, which is Sting, Darby Allen. And Adam Copeland with Ric Flair taking on Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne. Now, this dates back to Wrestle Dream, Alex, when Christian Cage defeated Darby Allen to retain the AEW TNT Championship, which also saw Nick Wayne turn on Darby Allen and join with Christian, Christian Cage. His, you know, Nick's mom was making a whole big deal about it, and they actually like brought Nick Wayne's mom in for an interview uh, with Nick, and it was. I like Nick Wayne's mom more than I like Nick Wayne. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's like I want to change the words to Stacy's mom. Nick Wayne's mom has got, got it going, going on. on. She's all I want. And I've waited for so long. Yeah, Nick, can't you see? You're not the friend for me. I know it might be wrong, but I'm in love with Nick Wayne's mom. Yeah, so uh, Cajun Wayne would later attack Darby Allen uh, further until Sting came out to make the save. But Luchasaurus also got involved in the attack on Sting and Allen. As Cage was about to perform the concerto on Sting Adam Copeland, the rated R superstar, formerly known as Edge in WWE, made his AEW debut to save Sting and Allen. On the following Dynamite, Copeland tried to bring Cage to his senses and reunite as a team, but Cage refused. Uh, what were the exact words that Cage used before he walked out of the ring, Al? Oh, he said, go fuck yourself. And the FCC won't let me be. All right. So, on October 24th, on AEW Dynamite, Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne interrupted Sting and challenged him, Allen, and a partner of their choosing to a six-man tag team match. Uh, this was also the, I guess, debut of Ric Flair? Ric Flair came out and told Sting, I want to be there for the last ride with you. And yada yada, so on and so forth. So if we see Ric Flair wrestle, 
I'm just going to say this, fans. Go back and watch his so-called retirement match that he had and tell me if you think he should go into the ring. Listen, at this point, out of the four members of Evolution, Ric Flair has had the most recent match, so he's got less ring rust than the other three combined. Give him a break. Well, in all fairness, Triple H can't wrestle. Yeah, he almost died. So there's so there's, there's that. Glad you're doing well, Hunter. <laughs> so they, they challenged them to a match. Uh, Sting accepted. Later, dur- during a backstage interview, Adam Copeland said he refused to fight Christian Cage. But then Sting and Allen appeared and told him that Cage could not be trusted the following week. After Cage, Luchasaurus, and Wayne attacked Copeland... He was saved by Sting and Allen. Copeland then stated he would be there to partner at Full Gear. So, there's a lot. This dates back a while. The the feud with Christian Cage and Darby Allen and the Hot Potato Championship. Oh, yes. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, the TNT Championship is known as the Hot Potato Championship around here. If you haven't listened in before when we talk about AEW... The TNT Championship has changed hands more than the WWF Hardcore title when it had a 24-7 run. Changed more hands than the 24-7 Championship in WWE. This belt has changed hands so many times, there's already five or six different variations of the belt because the first five or six people made their own custom belt out of it and brought it to TV. So, yeah, there we are with that. A little overdramatic, but... (laughs) Um, I, I will say they haven't been doing as much of the hot potato with the championship lately in the past few months as they were at like the end of last year, beginning of this year. Christian Cage getting involved in the division has definitely helped, I think. Um, it's kind of given them a main person that's not just Darby Allen to center around. Because when this title first came around, they had like this group of guys that they primarily kept in this division for a while. It was like your Cody Rhodes, your Mr. Brody Lee before his untimely passing. Um, Darby Allen, Miro had his own Miro and Sammy Guevara. Yeah. Uh, but then they were just giving it away to people, and it at first it almost looked like they were going to use the title like WWE used to use the Intercontinental Championship, or is starting to again, where it was like the um the title before the title, and then something happened around Wardlow's first title reign, and then it just went back and forth between everyone. So. They're kind of starting to change that a little bit, and I think Christian Cage being involved has, has definitely helped. Yeah, especially because he's a heel character, so like heels don't, I feel like, don't defend their championships nearly as much as, as a, a face character. Heels yeah. hold titles longer, for sure. Yeah, 100%. I look at Roman Reigns in WWE right Or now. Gunther. Yeah, there, yeah, that's all you need to say right there, just those two names. MJF was heel for most of this AEW world title run. Until yeah. recently, so, you know. Um, I just don't understand the need for Ric Flair not trying to stir anything up. It's just like, it, it's it's a Ric Flair move. Like, once you think he's finally settling down and out of the spotlight, there he is! Uh, and, you know, I, I love Ric, but um, I, for his own health, not even from a booking standpoint, for his own health, I really hope this doesn't result in him wrestling because I think at his age and the health problems he's had, I think he should look at his health and look at his family and just kind of be more in a managerial role like he is in this match. But I, I just, I, knowing how Rick is, I have a feeling that's not going to be the case. Well, and supposedly he's 
medically cleared, and it is expected he's going to take bumps. The man's like 80 years old. He's not 80, but... He's got to be getting close. He's in his 70s. He's in his 70s. Let's, let's, you know, let's not round up on people. He has now. a pacemaker! We don't have to round up. This isn't change. He has a pacemaker in his heart. Triple H has a pacemaker in his heart, and he had to retire. Yeah, but this, this How is Rick medically cleared with a pacemaker in his chest? This isn't, um... You know, this isn't McDonald's where you round up the change for the McDonald house fund. I just... Alright? I don't... I don't... I, uh, anyways, back to the match. Alright, well, with that being said, Al, who wins? This one, I'm... Because this, this rivalry is clearly not over. It's not going to be over until we get Adam Copeland versus Christian Cage one-on-one. Uh, Darby Allen versus Nick Wayne one-on-one. Um... I'm gonna have I'm gonna I'm gonna take the heels in the match. I'm gonna take Christian Cage, Ruchasaurus, and Nick Wayne to pick up the win to further the storyline, which eventually leads us to Adam Copeland versus Christian Cage, which I'm gonna go ahead and make a guess and say that they might draw this heat out with the two of them until double or nothing. Either that or revolution. This isn't over between all six of them, in my honest opinion. And I'm going with Sting, Darby, Allen, and Adam Copeland because there's no way they're bringing in Adam and having him lose this early. I I see Nick Wayne being the one taking the pinfall. I mean, and the only reason, the other reason why I say I don't see that happening because one of Adam Copeland, so early in his career in AEW, they don't want to have him like already get a, an L. Uh, I think with this being Sting's final run and the fact that we know he's retiring in twenty twenty four. I think they're going to have him have just a spectacular run. I don't see really him losing. So I ha- I I'm going with Sting, Darby and Adam, but I do think that no matter like the loss for the heels, I feel the storyline will still continue because there's so much history between Copeland and Cage. And there's already enough history between Darby Allen and Cage. So So you think it's more of a situation where the the baby faces pick up the victory and then the heels do something to get their heat back and leads to something further down the road? Yeah. So it, we kinda have a same ending, different result of this match though. Yeah, like I don't see anyone interfering in this match, maybe except for Ric Flair. I don't see um I don't see the the heels if they lose interfering with the group afterwards. I think it's more like they're going to roll out of the ring, take their ball and go home, and then on Dynamite is where you see everything pick back up again. Okay, I can respect that. Now, the next match had a little controversy to it a while back. Not so much these two particular with each other, but it is the AEW International Championship Orange Cassidy the champion taking on John Moxley. And I say that there's some controversy here because John Moxley had taken on Ray Phoenix. And Ray Phoenix hit his finisher, but when um, you watch him sit out with the pile driver, it was very much like a Owen Hart Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, thing. But you see Moxley's head literally bounce off the mat and like his neck like just disappears for a second. Ray Phoenix goes for the pin. 
the referee only does a two count. And then, I mean, Moxley, his shoulders don't even move. You actually can see on camera his eyes look up and he says something to the ref. So Ray Phoenix hits the move again. But it looks like his head hits again. And then the ref goes one, two, three, new international uh, champion, Ray Phoenix. But Ray Phoenix was not, was clearly not supposed to win that match. So they had him hold it and basically have him be a placeholder, if you will. And he lost it a week or two later to Orange Cassidy. So Orange Cassidy is the international champion again. He's also the longest reigning international champion. In his first run. Yep. So Moxie comes back. Moxie wants his AEW International Championship. Which brings us to this match. And... All I have to say about this... Is... I'm just going to say it right now, Alex. John Moxley and new AEW International Champion. And I'm going with that because there was clearly a storyline... With John Moxley in the international championship that AEW wants to run, because if they didn't, they wouldn't put him back in. They wouldn't put him back in this title match or title reign or whatever. Yeah, I I fully agree. Um, this whole storyline has gotten kind of messed up by Moxley's injury. <clears throat> there was a clear audible that was supposed to be called in that match, from what's been told already, to where after he got injured the first time, the referee was supposed to call for the three count. And then Moxley got pissed off at him. There's a little bit of heat with the ref, according to backstage sources. Um, yeah, I just thought it was really weird I at first that they didn't just keep the title on Ray Phoenix and then have him lose back to Moxley. But I think this makes a little more sense because there was already that pre-existing feud with Orange Cassidy and John Moxley heading into, uh, what was it, All Out or All In? One of the two. I don't remember which pay-per-view they had the original match. But I think this makes more sense for key purposes to get it back on John Moxley, even though the BCC is kind of like a tweener role right now. Um, but it makes more sense for him to go back to a rival that he just very recently had bad blood with to regain the title, because now it'll show that he unmercifully beat Orange Cassidy twice. Orange Cassidy is known as probably the workhorse of AEW at this point, so I think that'll be good for them. I... It'll be interesting to see where they go with this because it also, even though they're the AEW Tag Team Champions, it looks like they're slowly building up to Ricky Starks versus John Moxley. So I think a lot of that depends on how this pay-per-view goes, who is champion uh, in whatever matches but with the tag titles and the international championship. But for this one, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say John Moxley wins the title back. We bring up Ricky Starks, and uh, fans, if you go to YouTube.com at Perched on the Top Rope or Apple Podcast Episode 159, you can listen to Lance Archer. That's right. We had AEW's The Murder Hawk Monster, Lance Archer, on Perched on the Top Rope. And uh, he praised Ricky Starks huge, especially for winning the Owen Hart Cup. Mm-hmm. So I do expect a singles run in a again out of Starks here pretty soon. Well, they're definitely going in that direction too because before the whole firing of CM Punk, it was very clear that we were heading into a big program with Punk and Starks, and then they moved that over to being with Brian Danielson. So they they clearly have plans for Ricky Starks right now. They just gotta 
with everything that's gotten moved around between Punk being fired and Danielson being injured, they've just got to move the right pieces into play. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to be talking about Ricky Starks in a few minutes because he has a match on this card. But first, let's get to the Texas death match between Adam Hangman Page and Swerve Strickland with Prince Nana, what's my name? Prince Nana, what's my name? Say what's my name. All right. Um, this honestly has been some of Page's best promo work, and you know I've been very vocal in the past about the lackluster promos of Hangman Page, especially when he was AEW champion, because mm-hmm. everyone wanted him to become the AEW champion, and then when he won it, it was like no one gave a shit. Even the company felt like it. It felt like the company didn't even care. It's unfortunately considered the most lackluster AEW world title reign, but behind CM Punk's, in most opinion, only because his literally lasted a couple hours because he got injured. Yeah, both his lasted all of a day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, one was a day and the other one was like a couple days until the following dynamite when he hurt his ankle. Yeah. Yeah, so aside from those two, um, a lot of people consider Hangman Adam Page's world title run a little lackluster kind of because of management hiding him and not keeping him on the shows frequently and his promo work, but like what you said, this program, I never thought that, and this is nothing against either performer, I never thought that these two would be I never thought I needed this program as much as I do. They are highlighting the very best of both Hangman Adam Page and Swerve Strickland in this in this program. And I firmly believe whoever comes out on top of this should be eventually in line for an AEW world title match or run. Yeah, and, and so far, uh, we're on the fifth match, really the fourth for the actual pay-per-view itself. But if I had to pick so far, the best promo work has been with these two mm-hmm. uh, swerve you know I'm, I'm using quotations here folks breaking in to hangman's house being in front of the crib uh, you remember i'm sitting there in the group chat because i'm thinking to myself where's his wife is the baby in bed is she in bed is there a baby in the crib how did someone just break in that easy don't you have a ring camera bro all these things are playing through my head, right? And, I mean, I know it's a staged house and everything like that. You know, these are the little differences, though, between AEW and WWE. I mean, not even WWE, WWF. Stone Cold and Pillman. Pillman's in the house with his wife. They made it look like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly certain, though, they actually used his house. But, like, he was there. You know, look at uh, Randy Orton and Triple H. That one was a more obvious staged compared to the Austin and Pillman thing, but still, both had felt more real than than, than Swerves. You know, sw- I'm glad you changed it to WWF and not WWE, not accounting for the Randy Orton Triple H thing, because they also did that thing with Seth Rollins and Edge a few years ago, where Edge did the same thing as Strickland. He simply just waltzed into Edge's house and was just... Apparently setting up a camera and just sitting there, basically taking an interview for himself, right in the middle of Edge's house. Yeah, so like I was sitting there, and I was just like, I was watching it, and the whole time though, I'm like, where's the wife? Is the baby in the crib? Like, you don't hear any crying or anything, so like, you assume no. You, You just assume no one was home. But, 
I think it would have gave it more realism if someone was like if his wife was there and you know even if they had just audio of like a baby crying or something in the crib you know what i mean it would have it would have gave me more realism like if the baby cries and his wife turns or you know comes into the room to check on the baby and swerve is standing there and nana standing there and like that's when adam runs out of the ring in a panic right right because now it like he could think, oh, no one's home, but then, you know, he hears the baby cry and his wife is right there and he just bugs right out, you know? Right. But it is what it is. It was still a great segment. I'm just being a picky fan of over 30 years nitpicking everything because that's what we do, apparently. So. Well, to go off of that, though, the, the Hangman had a page promo on AEW Dynamite this week was probably his best promo work that I've ever seen. The only time I've ever seen him come close was when he basically shot on CM Punk in the middle of the ring before Double or Nothing. But he literally was just talking about, he was taking shots at Swerve about him getting fired from WWE when he got released. He was taking shots at his wife not wanting to see him, his kids not wanting to see him. And that's the type of stuff people bought into when they did that feud in WWE between Riddle and Seth Rollins where real life shit was getting brought up. And Hangman Adam Page is not typically that type of person that does that in a promo but like this program with swerve has really lit a fire under both their asses and in my opinion has been continually the most entertaining thing on AEW television that is not mjf yeah that's why i said it's definitely the best promo stuff i've been watching i'm very happy with it to be honest with you me too um however for this match because of how swerve went about it in the way that like i feel like the promos and everything and especially the breaking into hangman's house i feel like i'm leaning towards hangman winning the match i would honestly love to see swerve win the match uh because he's part of a faction you know where where hangman kind of is but kind of isn't when it comes to the bucks and Kenny Omega, who we're about to talk about. The Elite here in is a few always minutes. a dysfunctional family. They're, yeah. they're always on and off. Yeah. They're like that family you watch go on Springer more than once type deal. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going with Hangman Adam Page to win this. I'm I'm torn on this one because they could both use the victory here. Um, it just depends on how the company sets up the loser going forward afterwards because Hangman also has lost a couple of big matches in the past year or two. Uh, it, it kind of seems like this. the beginning of this feud was a redemption story for Hangman because Swerve, when this whole thing started, called out a Hangman Adam Page saying about how, you know, the company hasn't invested in any new gear for him, he hasn't been winning a ton of matches, he hasn't been winning titles, and that he had basically gone stagnant, and that is why Swerve wanted to take him out is because he wanted that spot. He wanted to be able to show that he, with the right machine behind him could become the first black AEW world champion which would be cool for him to make history in that sense so it's like on this side you've got swerve who could literally make history in AEW, and then you've got this awesome organic redemption story for hangman adam page too but my problem with the hangman adam page redemption story is it's already been done they did that when they built up to him winning the AEW world championship and so it's almost like 
kind of a retread of a similar storyline. And I think that storyline was kind of what left the fans stagnant the last time. I personally would like to see Hangman continue getting a little more of this dark edge and then eventually maybe turning to the bad side of things. Maybe playing a heel character. He he was good at it when he was in Bullet Club in New Japan, and he barely had to talk at that point. Now that he can talk, I think he would make an excellent heel. I personally, I'm going to go with Swerve Strickland to win this one. Okay. We've been quite different on this whole pay-per-view tonight. I yeah. like it. And I think Swerve versus MJF would be a solid program for the world title. That'd be a good match. Yeah. That'd be a good match. I mean, Hangman always puts on a good match. It's just, you know, that that one, the title reign they gave him, it was just so lackluster. I actually think it hurt his career a lot. Yeah. I, I think I'll be happy no matter who wins this match. I just want them to set up whoever loses it the right way going forward because they could both use the win. Obviously, they're not both going to get it. So just make sure you have a plan for whoever's not winning this match. Yeah. It's going to be a good match, though. Texas Death Match. I feel like that's that's a type of match that Hangman could put on a solid performance. Yeah. I agree. And our next match has an odd stipulation to it. It's a tag team match. It's the Golden Jets, Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, taking on the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. Funny story, I've interviewed three out of the four men in this match. Uh, if the Golden Jets win... They will get the Young Bucks AEW Tag Team Championship opportunity as they are the number one contender for the AEW Tag Team Championships. But if the Young Bucks win, the Golden Jets must disband as a team. Now, Nick and Matt had an issue with Jericho being, you know, teaming with Omega because, you know, Every faction he's been part of he is literally disbanded in the four years of him being in AEW because uh, the leader starts demanding too much. The narcissistic comes out of Chris Jericho, and we're seeing a different side of Jericho right now, teaming with Kenny Omega here as the Golden Jets. Uh, I do have to say, though, uh, I, uh, I don't want to... I'm going to hold off on what I was about to say because we're talking about it in a little bit. Okay. But there is somebody who I think Kenny Omega will end up teaming with that had a different golden name, if you will. Yeah, I um, I think another thing that we're not even thinking about, too, the other reason, and they mentioned this in their first initial issue with Jericho and Omega, too, is that every group that... Jericho has been a part of has also at one point in time targeted the elite or targeted members of the elite yes. when they weren't maybe when they weren't together the inner circle and the elite had an extraordinary feud at one point uh, Matt Hardy even got brought into it during the pandemic era and then I believe if I am remembering correctly the JS had targeted certain members at times when the elite wasn't together but different members of the group as well and at one point during the inner circle feud, they Chris Jericho also attacked Matt and Nick Jackson's father in a backstage segment, which they had mentioned when they brought up the issue with Kenny and Chris teaming together. I mean, it's it's known Chris Jericho said it himself. If we're talking about on screen wise, he's he's not a good person. He's done some shitty things, but 
it's more of an enemy of my enemy is my friend, which we brought up earlier, talking about Samoa Joe. Same thing applies here. Chris Jericho had, uh, you know, him and Kenny Omega had issues with Don Callis and Konosuke Takashita, so they were just kind of trying to take care of that, and the Bucks, being the Bucks, got petty and didn't like it. I'm going to throw my opinion out here right now. Golden Jets are going to win. And I say that because it's very clear that it looks like the Young Bucks are on the verge of yet another heel turn. They're the big show of AEW. They've gone back and forth between heel and face turns more than I can count in the four years that they've been together. I think we're going to see the Golden Jets win, and I think you're going to see the Young Bucks absolutely lose their mind and beat the living hell out of both of them after the match is over. And... Then you'll see Kenny and Chris go on to face Big Bill and Ricky Starks for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Well, we don't know that yet, but we do know that the Young Bucks are currently the number one contenders. And while I want to say that the Golden Jets do win, because I feel like they're going to be in line for tag team title shots, I am going to say the Young Bucks win this match and we see the disbanding of the golden jets which i know doesn't make sense because it's a a a team that they just put together you know uh i'm also going against you just because just to go against you because i really do see the golden jets winning sadly but i'm going to say the young bucks win um because after this i really don't know what they have in store for kenny omega and Chris Jericho, where at least the Young Bucks, we know, can just end up back in a, a feuding with another tag team or something. You know what I mean? Right. Like, we know that can happen. That's, like, not the end of the world. Uh, we also know that they have a, a little issue as they were removed as EVPs on the website. Yeah, there's a little bit of controversy there because nobody knows really what's going on. They've been removed of the name on the website only. There's nothing official saying Anywhere else that they've been removed from their position. But they also posted, it was on Instagram, I believe, the other day, that they were, in fact, still EVP. So it could have just been something related to the website. It could have been more. Nobody really knows at this point. A website could have been updated, and it just didn't get added back in. Who knows? Yeah. But it was something to note. Uh, so you're going with the Golden Jets. I'm going with the Young Bucks. That brings us to the AEW TBS Championship as champion Chris Statlander is facing Julia Hart and Sky Blue in a three-way match. And I don't know how well this is going to go for Chris Statlander because uh, we did see Julia Knight hit the mist or whatever, the spray, in the eyes to Sky Blue and she's not the only one she's hit. Uh, however, Sky Blue seems to be a little resistant to it. We see her doing the makeup with like it lo- under the eyes where it looks like, you know, it's like, you know, dripping down type deal with, with her, her blue and the black that she'd been doing. It's like uh, progressional kind of like Malachi Black's eye yeah. over the years. And also like how Julia Hart had done her makeup when she had been you know, mistakenly sprayed, right? Missed on. Yeah. So there's, um, you know, there, this could be potentially a two-on-one match where Sky helps Julia Hart become the champion, but I don't know what the end game here is for the both of them. 
we have seen where Julia has seemingly been trying to recruit women into the group with Malachi Black and King and Matthews and everything. And Sky was one of those that she had targeted. So we don't know if we're going to get Sky resisting. We don't know if this is the match where Sky fully turns and joins. But we do know that it could potentially become a two-on-one. And, I mean, it still could with Sky teaming with Statler. I mean, I think you're going to see all three at one point working together. And then towards the end, you're going to see something big happen. Yeah. Where either it becomes a two-on-one situation with Chris Statlander having to fight the both of them off. And picks up the victory. Or I think we see it where Sky Blue helps Julia win the championship. What do you think? I have not been following this storyline very much, I'll be completely honest. That's fine. Um, you know, I'm not able to catch all wrestling. Uh, I, what I do know is that since Kristan Statlander has came back, she's had a lot of hype behind her. People were really happy to see her again. I marked when she came back. Marked when she won the title. R.I.P. Jake Cargill. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I love Chris Lander and I love her act and based on a little bit that you just said, I think I'd rather have them turning that more into a feud with Sky Blue and Julia Hart coming out of the match where she, you know, is adamant about not joining the House of Black and I'd like to see Chris Statlander. Wow, say that <laughs> a million times. Chris Statlander. Um, I'd like to see Statlander win the match and retain the title. Okay. I, too, would like that. I am a fan of Statlander. I, to me, Julia and Sky, like, Statlander's, like, got the both of them on every sort of advantage there is in this match, to be honest. So, um... I, to be honest, I wouldn't necessarily think... I don't think Julia Hart's ready for something like that. And also, I don't think Sky Blue is ready for something for a championship run. Uh, nothing against them themselves. It's just, I feel... Chris is more put together. Yeah, as and a, I, Sorry, I didn't it, mean to cut you no, off. Sorry, right. I think she's more put together as a competitor with her promo skills, uh, in-ring skills, than Julia and Sky. Again, no offense to them, it's just... I'm calling a spade a spade here. Right. That and exposure, too, plays a large part into it. Julia has had some of it. Sky Blue is starting to get a little more exposure. I think let the rest of their feud with each other play out and gain some more steam behind it. And then maybe you revisit the idea of them winning, you know, the TBS championship or even vying for the women's world title a little further down the road. I think they both have what it takes. I think they're just on that ascent right now. Yeah, and and I don't think they've had Julia Hart actually wrestle enough on TV or anything like that to like really get a, a title at this point right now. So I agree. Uh, the next is a four-way tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. We have Ricky Starks and Big Bill as your champions. Taking on Rush and Drastilistico. Drillistico. That's what I meant to say, Drillistico. I, I said draw. Like I, <laughs> told, 
I like I like sounded it out as I was. You saying. did what I just did when I tried to say Chris Statlander's last name. Yeah, I I, I completely sounded it out. I my we've bad. gone over this. You let me say the names of the people that aren't from the U.S. Well, this isn't New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I actually knew the name. It's just I literally was spelling it out as I was saying it for some reason, <laughs> just to just to make sure I was saying it right. Uh, uh, don't change it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, they're taking on FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Harwood. And they are also facing the Kings of the Black Throne, Malachi Black, and Brody King. Now, uh, it was in the dirt sheets, Al, that Ricky Starks and Big Bill won as a favor. Why, I don't know. Uh, Ricky seems to be doing, like, heelish promo work from what I've been seeing. Um. I will say this as a tag team, Ricky Starks and Big Bill as the champions has not done anything for me. They, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they're being like the tag team that's like, yeah, we have the titles, but we don't want to defend them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of what we're getting out of like the heels. They're like that. They're like a heel dollar store version of Enzo and Cass. That's essentially what I feel like we're getting again, and Ricky's being Enzo. But you can't top Enzo's mic skills. Sorry, Ricky. And you can't teach that. Literally. Um, If I had to pick anyone, because as far as a storyline goes, like we know what has happened with Cash Wheeler, and at first that's why I thought they were going to have him drop the titles was because of his incident with the the road rage incident getting arrested yeah with a gun um so i don't know if that plays an effect on how their career is going right now i don't see uh russian drillistico winning to be honest so if i had to pick anyone i would i i'm going that it's either going to be ricky starks and big bill retaining or the I'm saying the wild card team here, Brody King and Malachi Black, pick up their first wins for the House of Black championships, even though they were trios. Wow, well, not their first belts, but the, their first tag team gold, right. aside from the trio. So to add to what we were saying about uh, them winning the tag team titles being a favor, it was a favor to FTR. Um, this was also reported to. Uh, the reason they did the favor for them is because Cash Wheeler was also injured. Around the time of their match, he, I believe, I want to say it might have been another bicep injury. He's had issues with that bicep ever since he, like, sliced it open that one time on Dynamite, I believe it was. It was on either Dynamite or Rampage, um, but it was it was injury-related. He needed some time off. Um, I don't think Roosh and Drillistico have been built up the right way to win the t- tag team titles just yet. I think... That could easily be done in time. I don't think that this is their night. I would like to see Ricky and Big Bill lose the titles because I want to see them both go on and do bigger and better things. Uh, I think Ricky Starks busting into the TNT title division after this whole Edge and Christian, or Adam Copeland and Christian Cage thing is done, I think could be a good spot for him too. He's already got a little bit of a built-in thing going on with Adam Copeland already. So I think that would give him some exposure to bigger stars. And honestly, with all the work that Big Bill has put in over the past years, you know, beating his addiction issues, going on to have an awesome run and impact, and then coming to AEW, 
while he might not be the person to win it, I think he'd be a good challenger for the AEW World Championship, too, at this point in his career. So I, I think they both have more upwards direction they can take if they lose the tag team titles. And they've had enough of it. It hasn't been a super long reign, but it hasn't been a super short reign. I think they've had enough of a tag team title reign at this point to warrant that. So my two, you, you can never bet against FTR because they could win the tag titles on any given night at any given company. So I, I think it's possible that they win. Uh, we're going to actually agree for once because I've heard some rumblings that there's tag team plans for Malachi and Brody because uh, Buddy Murphy or Buddy Matthews, whatever he goes by now, uh, I think has been taking care of his visa issues and whatnot. I'm going to agree with you and say that Kings of the Black Throne take the tag team titles. And then if and when Buddy Matthews comes back, you have the possibility of them playing up the Freebird rule. Yeah, where anyone can defend them. Yep. I like that. Um, this brings us to our last match. Uh, match number nine of the night, including the uh, pre-show, Zero Hour. We have the AEW World Championship champion MJF taking on Bullet Club Gold member and leader Jay White. Now, we'd already talked about uh, the synopsis of uh, the background to this match as we'd already, we talked about it in the beginning with MJF and a, the mystery partner taking on the guns because those two matches seemingly tie into like one storyline, the two matches. So mm-hmm. uh, fans, if you don't, if you got this far and can't remember what we said, uh, basically MJF's feud started with Bullet Club Gold when uh, Jay White basically was, I'm the reason why you're friends with Adam Cole and blah, blah, blah. And then they, you know, they attacked, uh, Bullet Club Gold attacked MJF, took his world title, challenged him for his world title while they still had his world title in possession. And then after that, the guns were like, well, if you're challenging for a title, we want to challenge for a title too. So then they came in and were like, hey, we want to face you for the ROH Tag Team Championships, and we don't care if you have a partner or not. And of course, MJF accepted, so... uh, MJF's pulling double duty on Saturday, November 18th, ladies and gentlemen, on Fight TV at AEW Full Gear. So, knowing the storyline behind all of this, because it, it literally it dates back uh, into September, you know, dating back a few months, two months, you know, to be exact. Al... You earlier said that depending on what happens in the first match could play out what happens in this match. With that being said, because those were your words, who do you think wins? So, I actually think MJF retains the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships, like I said earlier. I think this is the night, and I'm going to be real bold, I think this is going to be the night that MJF loses the AEW World Championship. I think he's going to lose the AEW World Championship to Jay White because they've built up this story pretty well, and there's a lot of factors going into it. You have Bullet Club Gold, who could possibly be on the outside and interfering. And most importantly, you have the man in the mask, the devil, who has been just wreaking havoc on this entire storyline. And this is the reason that this man was least 
likely to be MJF's partner on the pre-show to me. I have a feeling you are going to see the devil cost MJF the world championship, and it is going to be none other than Adam Cole. They have been basically foreshadowing this for a while, that one of them was going to turn on each other since their feud started, their friendship started, and at first it looked like it was going to be MJF, and then this organic babyface turn happened, and MJF is quite possibly the hottest thing in pro wrestling right now, the hottest thing in sports entertainment right now. I would put what he's doing as more entertaining than anything in any company right now, and it's not a shot of any company. So I, I, I think that... If you're going to get the most heat you possibly can, and hear me out because this is a couple steps, you're going to have the man in the mask cost at MJF the world title match. He's going to come down to the ring, and it's going to be revealed to be Adam Cole costing him the world title. And then you are going to see Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Matt Taven, and Michael Bennett beat the absolute hell out of MJF showing a reunited kingdom at the end of the pay-per-view. This leaves MJF with another tag team partner for the Ring of Honor World Championships, which ties that story in of having that that person step in to be his tag team partner because they quite possibly take over as his tag team partner going forward. And then you have this gigantic refeud between MJF and Adam Cole, and it's not like it's replaying anything. It's a, it's an entirely different dynamic going forward. I think you give Jay White a couple months with the AEW World Championship. That solidifies him as the main event star, or one of them, on AEW. You could have MJF win it back at Revolution, or maybe even further on from that, and that sets up for the final rematch for the AEW World Championship between MJF and Adam Cole at Double or Nothing. I would like to remind you at one point in my time as a wrestling fan, I looked at you and said, who the hell is Jay White? You did. He was in New Japan at the time. And you said, who the hell is Jay White? You know when that was? I remember when that was. It was when he won the IWGP World Championship. Yep. And you said, who the hell is Jay White? Yep. Now I know who Jay White is, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Um, No, so... I got a question for you, though, because you predicted that it would be Adam Cole to be MJF's mystery partner. In that I said he was the least likely. The least likely, and I picked him. So, if it's Adam Cole, and they win, that, and he is the man in the mask and costs MJF the world title, he still has to team with him. That could create another dynamic. If, if it does end up being that Adam Cole's his partner... And does come back and cost him the title. The only reason I said I didn't think it was Adam, like I said earlier, I don't think they show Adam Adam Cole's return on the pre-show. That's the only thing that kind of trips up this entire theory Mm -hmm. for me. Um, But, I mean, it's AEW. They could do whatever they want. It's their company. So... (sighs) That creates another fun dynamic, though, like having to defend these titles with somebody that... Just cost you the world title. But then they could also do the same thing. They could jump MJF at a later tag team title match, and then Adam Cole has a replacement partner, and it ends up being someone from the kingdom. And, you know, I I, I 100% see interference in the ROH tag team match. Whether it's Juice Robinson, whether it's Jay White. 
I don't see the man in the mask making an appearance on the pre-show to cost him. I don't see the man in the mask costing him on both matches. No. I mean, it could happen, but I don't see it. I mean, you could see MJF lose both matches, but I'm saying he wins both matches. I'm saying he retains. Um, I'm saying that the man in the mask comes out and does, you know, we find out who it is, but I'm going to think that some sort of mistake gets made and MJF still pulls off the victory. Now, I was going to save talking about the man in the mask uh, at the end, but since you brought it up, we're going to talk about him now. You have already given your prediction on who it is. I literally don't have one. There's been a lot of rumblings, yes, of Adam Cole. There's been rumblings that it's CM Punk, even though we know that he was... There was a legal letter sent out that he was fired. Yeah. They and... weren't, they're not going to send out a legal letter... That he was fired if he wasn't fired. Because you can get into actual legal situations and stuff at that point. You could you could end up with backlash from sponsors. DraftKings sponsors AEW. You, you find out that these companies that are sponsoring you are losing money because there was a legal letter sent out. That this man was fired and he really wasn't. That puts them in some real issues. It's not CM Punk. Yeah. I honestly don't have a prediction, to be honest with you, on this one. Uh, it's something I've been weighing and trying to think of. Uh, there's also been rumors it's Jungle Boy. That'd be interesting. So I've heard that name be brought up as well because we've also haven't seen Jungle Boy or Jack Perry on on television either. So uh, whoever it is, it's definitely a thinner male. It's not someone who's like a... And they're not tall either, which is also why I was like leaning towards a Jungle Boy. Why... And Adam Cole makes sense also. Mm -hmm. Uh, Time will tell. We're going to find, hopefully we find out Saturday. Now, who do you have? You are, you're going with Jay White? Yeah, I'm going to go with Jay White on this one. Okay. So we were different for most of this pay-per-view, which is rather interesting. So Saturday, we're going to find out who, who had the, the best prediction card here. And fans, you'll be able to go to uh, our Facebook, facebook.com slash perch on the top rope. On Saturday morning, when we do our AEW full gear predictions thread post. So make sure you jump on there because if you guess the card, you're the first person to guess the card correctly or the first person to have the most amount of matches wins, we are going to mail you an AEW 8x10 autograph of a random star. Because, well, I have more than enough autographs. <laughs> so, uh, make sure you go and do that. And we've done the picking of the, the masked man, the devil himself, who we think it is. Now, earlier, Alex, we talked about the six, not the six man, we talked about the Golden Jets and the Young Bucks. I am picking the Young Bucks because... I said there was a, another person for Kenny Omega that once had the golden name, and he's already been in AEW a few times. And after AEW Dynamite, it was announced he is hashtag All Elite, ladies and gentlemen. Kota Ibushi is now with All Elite Wrestling, Alex. Remember when Kota, after the Cruiserweight Classic with WWE, said he would never sign to wrestle in an American company? He said it wasn't anything against WWE. He just said he was not going to. He did not want to sign for an American company and wrestle in America. 
Well, how the tables have turned after his falling out with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Oh, he had a wild falling out with New Japan Pro Wrestling, especially when he started tweeting about the Yakuza and everything like that. Because lucky mean, he made it out of that country alive. Yeah, to be honest with you, um, that that can be some scary shit. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd want to deal with the Yakuza. Mm-mm. They got a saying: if you talk too much, bye bye tongue. Bye bye tongue. So, I like my tongue. I also like my tongue. It's cut me the number two podcast in America. That was a solid Charitable, Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I'm actually really excited for him to be there because we could see Kenny Omega and Coda reunite and reform the Golden Lovers, which... Um, the Golden Showers, yes. Yeah. <laughs> God. You were a little too into that. Yeah, because the the finishing move there, if you remember correctly, that they had the simultaneous 450 splash. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I I wrote about them as a tag team and I went to interview Kenny Omega, he actually turned to the Young Bucks and he was like, Hey, this is the kid who ranked the Golden Shower third. I was like, I actually had it first. The company moved it around. It didn't look good for that name to be... Yeah... So they didn't like that. So it got, and he didn't like that. The fact that it got moved to number three, but it was real cool. It was a neat experience to have with him. So <clears throat> that's why I picked the Young Bucks because I can see them reuniting and Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi. So what I like about this card is there's a lot of matches where it's not. It's unlike WWE is sometimes where you can see who the clear cut winner is going to be. You go into a Roman Reigns match recently, you know he's going to win. You go into a Gunther match, you know he's going to win. Most Seth Rollins matches, you know he's going to win. And it does it doesn't matter there because their matches are still entertaining, but WWE can be a little predictable at times. Mm-hmm. This card is very unpredictable in the sense that there's a lot of different creative avenues that the participants involved could go in whether they win or lose that are already all built into storyline. AEW, I feel like, is starting to kind of slowly go back on an upside. Um, feels like they've been, in my opinion, in a little bit of a lull since the whole CM Punk situation happened because they and injuries have followed because they're kind of trying to move everything around, get everything in the right spot, and then it was a domino effect. Something else would happen that would affect something else. It kind of feels like they're starting to catch a groove right now, and the creative in the company, I, I'm, I'm digging it. Okay. Well, there was also one other announcement by Tony Khan that was made on AEW Dynamite. And that announcement came in the fact that at AEW Full Gear on Saturday, this person will be there to sign their new AEW contract. It's a new signee. We don't know who it is. It's Ryback. Oh, I'm sure Ryback said it's Ryback. No, he actually said it wasn't him on TikTok earlier today. Well, any other time he's trying to get into a company, so I would assume that he was pushing for it. <laughs> um, I'm going to give a few names that have been brought up. The first name that I've heard is Dolph Ziggler, though we know he has 90-day clause. He cannot appear on TV. Yep, he is contractually not able to appear on a television show along with the other superstars released that day until December 22nd. Other names that have been brought up Alex have been Will Osprey, but he is signed with New Japan till February. 
though he has been allowed to work other companies. I don't know if New Japan's going to allow a current star to go sign with another company while still under contract. Absolutely not. Uh, another name brought up, which is uh, hilarious because I've, I strictly remember when Tony Khan said that this person was banned. Hulk Hogan is a name that had been brought up. Brother, brother, brother. So I don't know if that is a realistic thing or not. Um, it came up when Ric Flair signed with AEW that there was a potential for Hulk Hogan to come in. Uh, especially when Sting brought his name up in his uh, promo when he was saying that he was going to be retiring in 2024. Yeah. No, we already saw how that worked out with TNA. Yeah. Another name brought up, Alex. Mercedes Monet. Ding, ding, ding. That's my pick. It's you... the only one, it's the only top free agent in the world that makes sense to me in pro wrestling right now. All the big ones, under contract still. Hulk Hogan, Please no. I've got one for you that hasn't come up. And she was literally just finished with Impact Wrestling. Mickey James. She's no longer under contract with Impact Wrestling. She could be the one. Because it's a top... I mean, a top free agent, the only two I had thought of personally was Will Ospreay, you know, and especially since, hey, if you go to YouTube.com at Perch on the Top Rope, you can hear me on uh, the Impact Press Pass interviewing Will Ospreay, and it was a good time. So I got to do that, but I think it's going to be Mickey James. You've also interviewed Mickey James on the Impact Press Pass. Which is also on YouTube at YouTube.com at Perched on the Top Rope. And I did the plug this time. So make sure you go and you check that out, fans. Um, the only thing with Mickey. Couple things. I still think it's possible she stays with TNA because she did release info herself saying that she was taking a break, quote unquote. So possible that she'll be back. Sometimes people say break and then they go to a different company too. So can't rule that out of the equation. Yeah, Christian um, and Kurt Angle. Yeah, what we also can't rule out of the equation with Mickey is that she makes another return to WWE, considering that her husband is currently the general manager of SmackDown and also a producer for WWE at the moment. Okay. Nick Aldis is married to Mickey James. It could be easier now that he's working for WWE, which also, who thought we'd live in a day and age where Nick Aldis is working for WWE and Mickey James isn't? It's always been the other way around. Yeah. Um... I think maybe it's possible with Nick working there that he talked to them or they talked to him and were open to the idea of bringing Mickey back because of, you know, the whole having their family together and traveling because a lot of these people put their families first, as they should. Um, And I feel like they kind of owe Mickey James one more good run after the way she was released last time. The trash bag incident. Yep, I think that they could make that up to her. They have apologized to her. Stephanie McMahon has publicly apologized on behalf of the company for her because she was also unaware that that had happened, and I'm pretty sure somebody got fired over that. They also, if you remember, they brought Mickey James in with the Impact World Championship for for the the Royal Royal Rumble. Yeah, so it's very clear that WWE still has a good relationship with Mickey James. 
So I don't want to rule out her making one more return and having one last run in WWE, possibly culminating in a Hall of Fame induction at some point, and possibly pairing her and Nick Aldis up together on TV at some point. There's there's a lot of options there now that Nick is also with WWE, which could end up pulling him into in-ring competition because it's it's been pretty well documented that while Nick is in this position at this point, there are plans for him to eventually be an in-ring performer for WWE. Hell yeah. Um, so for that reason, I don't think it's Mickey James, but I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility because she could still end up doing that. You never know. I just, I, I, with all of the hype, I have a feeling it's a Mercedes Monet. They showed her at All In, sitting in the crowd. Tony has been open about wanting to have contract talks with her. Um, another person, it's a free agent that people have not brought up. It's entirely possible that it could be Bill Goldberg. Yeah, it it is an interesting one because the way that Tony Khan worded it, we've agreed to the terms of this person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You don't hear that when you sign somebody. So that tells me it's got to be somebody big where they had like, they're going to come in and say, like, they had outlandish demands toward, to the company if they wanted them. You know what I mean? You know who else? You know what Goldberg wanted, though? Hmm. A retirement match. That could be one of the terms that yeah. they agreed to. It could be Sting. Could be, could Sting. be Sting. That's the other thing that led me to believe that. There's one other name that we left out, Al. She's no longer with WWE. It's a name that I never would have thought you would see work the independence. And Friday, November 17th in L.A., she's actually working an independent show. Rowdy Ronda Rousey. Ooh. That kind of goes along with your agreed to the terms of thing. Because you know who she uh, teamed with at the independent show? Marina Shafir. And where's Marie, where does she work? AEW. Hmm. Interesting. Could get a reunite if they pull in Jasmine Duke too at some point. They could have somewhat of a reuniting of the four horsewomen. Obviously, Shayna Baszler is signed to WWE, so she would not be involved, which wouldn't make sense anyways, considering they just had a feud that Shayna basically kicked Ronda out the door. So I mean, that's that's another one that's possible. I feel like a good top three for me would be that it's either Ronda, Mercedes, or Goldberg. Okay. Because as, as much as some people don't want to see Goldberg in the ring at this point, terms could also be the length of the contract. And if it were to be Goldberg, it could be agreed that this is a short-term contract that eventually allows him to retire. Um, people might not want to see him in the ring at this age, but I also feel like Goldberg has given enough to the wrestling business to where he deserves a proper labeled retirement match in front of a giant American crowd. I agree. Everybody deserves the retirement match. Yeah. You know, that's why, like, think about it. When Adam Copeland, Edge, when he was in WWE, uh, when he retired, you know, it wasn't on his term, so he fought to get back there. Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, whatever you want to call him, same thing in WWE. Didn't get a proper retirement match. Wants a, you know, is going to want a retirement match. And now has announced that 
after this year. He will only be wrestling part-time. The end of his full-time career is coming to an end here very shortly. It's really weird to think that people like Brian Danielson and Adam Copeland and Christian Cage aren't finishing their careers in WWE. It is. I mean, we heard what Adam Copeland had to say, just that WWE didn't have anything for him anymore, and it was time to move on. And he didn't really have anything for them either, so it, it makes sense. His makes sense in, in the sense that he very clearly wants to end his career with Christian. Yeah, and you know there was a lot of speculation at some point, the possibility of them finishing their career in WWE, but now it's seemingly more of they're going to finish their career in AEW. Yep. And there is, without a shadow of a doubt, you are going to see them reunite, possibly face the Hardys. And who knows? Even though they sign Legends deals, you could possibly get a remake of Hardys, Edge and Christian, or Adam Copeland and Christian Cage. Not ENC, ANC. Yeah. (laughs) So, them and uh, the Dudleys. Which, just because you have a... Legends deal doesn't mean you can't not sign for another company because Bully Ray is still under exclusive TNA Impact Wrestling contract right now. And Sirius busted open. Yeah. So. And. 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 We've seen him wrestle in NWA. He's wrestling in Impact now. So if you remember correctly... If you fans, if you go to Perched on the Top Rope, well, let me do it this way. If you go to YouTube.com at Perched on the Top Rope, you can listen to Tatanka explain how the Legend contract works and, exp- and how he explains that you can, with his specific Legends deal, he can still go wrestle elsewhere. That is YouTube.com at Perched on the Top Rope. That is our interview with WWE legend Tatanka. I was going to say, there's nothing stopping Bully from coming and appearing on AEW. RVD's under WWE Legends contract, and he has been regularly competing in AEW as of recent. Yep, and we're also going to see him, hear me out here, we're also going to see RVD. Uh, He's part of Big Time Wrestling. Bobby Fulton's son, Dylan, uh, runs that. He's... has a a contract with, with them as well. And you know who else? Riddle will also be working with Big Time Wrestling as well. Uh, and they actually have a match against each other against each other uh, in Big Time Wrestling. I can't remember where it is or anything like that, but uh, fans, you can go to BigTimeWrestling.com and check that out. It's going to be them just passing a blunt back and forth to each other throughout the entire match. The first one falls and gets the, the, the pin yeah, wins, right? It's going to be, bro, dude, bro, dude, and then one of them is just going to pass out. Yeah, and hopefully at the end, you got two thumbs pointing, and it's R-V-D. And speaking of RVD, ladies and gentlemen, remember, spoiler freeze, the way to be. But first, go to youtube.com slash perched on the top rope so you can check out all our interviews and unboxing videos and shorts on YouTube. Go like, comment, subscribe. You can also find us anywhere and everywhere podcasts are found from Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay, Red Circle, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. It's perched on the top rope. And, because I have to say it again, for all of you who have kept perched on the top rope on the chartable rankings, second in the USA under the wrestling category, 83 
in America under sports, 149 in Australia, 64 in Saudi Arabia, 72 in South Africa, 69 in the Philippines, all under the wrestling category. And we are number six in Algeria in the sports category and ranked second in Algeria in wrestling under Chartable's Top 250. So ladies and gentlemen, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. You can also find us on TikTok, perched on the top rope, where we have... Do the thing. Yep. We have great scenes recreating the greatest moments in professional wrestling history using Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On because that song makes everything better, including Zack Ryder winning the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania 32. Because if you're going to try and tell me that that is not one of the greatest moments in professional wrestling history, you're a liar. We also have the Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan getting humped by a dog. That's right. The Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan that people once blamed on the death of Nancy, Chris Benoit, and their son getting humped by a dog. TikTok, perched on the top rope. You can also find us on twitch.tv slash perched on the top rope where I am currently ranked under 150 on AEW Stadium Stampede for the video game AEW Fight Forever. You can also catch me on there playing 2K23 WWE. And every once in a while, if you're a Madden fan, you can watch me with the Buffalo Bills because I'm playing better than them in the league right now. He's a hustler. I just want you to know. I'm just upset that he beat me. By over 20 points, by the way. Rude. You're welcome. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash perched on the top rope. We are on Twitter, perched top rope, because according to Elon Musk, perched on the top rope is too long. Boo. You can also find us on Instagram and threads at perched on the top rope podcast. So remember, fans, spoiler freeze, the way to be. We're out.